Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Joined today by my co-host, Tom Lewis. We're recording in the middle of Game 1 in the Eastern Conference Finals, which uh, the Pacers are not in, believe it or not. Uh, Tom, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> uh, pretty good, pretty good. I, I don't think we're going to be throwing as many haymakers as the uh, Celtics and Heat have having here in the first half. But, um, yeah, sadly, the, the Pacers aren't anywhere near this game. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually kind of funny. So I was thinking about it. Um, I think it's Doris and, and Mark Jones are doing the uh, uh-huh. uh, side side sideline, not sideline report. You know what I mean? The commentating yeah. tonight. Um, commentating, yeah. And Doris mentioned that the last time the Heat and and Celtics met in the Eastern Conference Finals was in 2012. And I remember watching that game in eighth grade in the middle of a dance. Uh, there we had an eighth grade dance. <laughs> like me and like four or five other guys went and we got the TV turned on in, a, in like the math room or something. So I was kind of crazy to think about it. eight, eight years feels a lot longer ago than it actually was. But at the same time, looking back, Oh man, that is forever ago. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, the, the star power on those two teams at the time was, you know, I mean, that was a great little rivalry and now, you know, they're, they're probably going to be going at it for, a few more years here, um, you know, assuming things kind of stay the same, but they're, but all the talent, so, you know, pretty much young. I mean, Miami's guys are a little more veteran, but, but uh, yeah, a little different dynamic uh, with this group. It's a, a lot more, uh, uh, you know, guys who are, who are just going to be out there trying to win as a team as opposed to some of the superstars in that last one. Yeah, exactly, and I think – one thing I look at right away when, when watching the game today is Moose chimes in as well. Um, you know, what kind of podcast would it be if my dog didn't start squeaking at you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think he's made it onto at least 40% of them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm looking at these teams, and obviously you don't want to build your team thinking in terms of how you're going to compete with other teams. You think of it in terms of how you're going to maximize what you have, right? Um, and I think in watching, you know, Toronto yesterday, I think they're not yesterday, last week, they're obviously going to be a little bit more in flux because they have a lot coming up in free agency and some of their guys are aging. But I mean, you look at Boston, Miami, I think is more, uh, both teams are here now, but I think, you know, Miami's obviously going to be more willing to go out and they have all the reported interest in 2021 free agents, including ones that are still on, uh, on rosters. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the Celtics are, are – they have, they have a group that's going to be together for a while. Um, so I think looking forward, obviously things are up in the air with Milwaukee. I don't know what they'll do this offseason. I, I mean, obviously Mike Budenholzer's job is safe. I don't – I'm not at all interested in talking Giannis leaving into the air because I don't think it's going to happen, and I think it's disingenuous to do such. Um, but, I mean, you really think about it. Those three teams are the teams that we're looking at having to deal with while this team is in their prime or in their contending window or however you want to put it, um, like yeah. the next three or four years. And I just wonder right away for you when obviously looking at our team right now, or I can't say our, you know, the team right now, um, they're, they're not at that precipice yet. And what, like just from watching the playoffs in general, what has stood out to you about what could be different for this Pacers team moving forward that could put them well, you know, closer to that echelon? Yeah, you know, 
do is think about this a little bit more. What really what when I was watching the Toronto Boston series wrap up, and just thinking, one guy stuck out to me, OJ Ananobi, as a, you know, when you're building your team, um, when in doubt, go with a wing player who's athletic and can defend, and maybe hit some threes, and you can't have enough of those guys. Um, especially, and especially when you're looking at the flexibility that Boston has now and even, even Miami, um, you know, they got guys who are long and, and can play guard forward, you know, they have to, they can play in the middle and go small. Um, the, the flexibility and the matchup, uh, flexibility you can have with those type of players is, as opposed to having more guys that are kind of locked into either a guard spot or a big man. Or you know, uh, you know, maybe a small forward who can sometimes play the four, um, but it seems like the Pacers' pieces are a, a little more um, like puzzle pieces that they're trying to fit together as opposed to just having um, guys that are a little more similar that they can mix and match. Um, and obviously, that's not an easy task, and those guys aren't just sitting out there. Um, but when you look at these teams that are, are that they had trouble with and that are going to be a problem going forward, um, it, it's those type of players that um, really are positionless and can produce wherever they're playing and cause problems for the opponents. Um, you know, wherever they're playing. Yeah. So that's it's actually really funny. I you know normally you and I are pretty. We, we don't really just steer into the hypotheticals a ton, and we're pretty. I don't want to say we're <laughs> analytical. You know, we we don't just spout out points per. 100 possessions all the time but I mean I think we both have pretty similar views of the game but you know just in terms of looking at hypothetical who is uh the so you know okay you can you can you can put it into two groups um players that you would trade for OG Ananobi and players that you wouldn't and I think the oh. way that I look at it who is the best Pacers player that you would stop at before you well in terms of trade if you were going to do a trade just straight up for OG Ananobi no filler who is hmm. the worst Pacers player you would trade? I mean, the best Pacers player you would best trade before player. you decided you. that you won't make you. the trade. Oh, goodness. Um, I wouldn't trade TJ Warren. Yeah, I actually – so uh, before I uh, – not to cut you off, but I think TJ Warren is the most <laughs> untradeable player on the team. I was talking to somebody about this today, and um, I think just the blend of, A, his youth, because he's 26, going to be 27 next year, um, he's obviously at a, a prime position that you need at the wing, can create his own shot, can shoot the three, can defend, and he has potential still. And he's, I mean, most importantly, his contract, uh, yeah, having the, the contract, contract that he's on. Like, <laughs> I think if he was on a different deal, you know, I, I always try and be careful in, you know, how you – you don't want to equate a guy's value with his deal, but at the same time, a deal does factor into a guy's trade value. Absolutely. Um, so, like, I mean, you talk about a guy like Tobias Harris, incredible player. Uh, probably like a top 50, top 40 player in the NBA, but his contract is tough. It's a really hard pill to swallow. Um, when you look at a guy like TJ, I mean, he might have, if you exclude rookie scale deals, he might have the most valuable contract in the NBA right now, or it's at least close to it. Um, so I think that's, I, I definitely agree. TJ would, would be off the board for me for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, heck, Golden State build up dynasty on a, on a <laughs> favorable contract there was stuff for those years so yeah i mean that, that contract is is all part of the nba game and uh so yeah that, that definitely makes uh tj's value uh 
a lot stronger. So, all right, who else? I, I gotta go through this. I'm trying to think. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, straight up, you know, I don't know if I would, would do them for, you know, obviously for any starter. And, you know, I guess maybe like an Aaron Holiday to, uh, I, I definitely would be for Aaron Holiday just to kind of shake up that backcourt the way it currently is um what are you thinking oh that's a good question um because see i'm trying to think too like who would actually who would the raptors actually you know i don't think the raptors would even trade him to be completely honest unless yeah, there was I mean, like there, a really there really is a fit deal. on the roster i mean obviously i think it would be tj one would be the, i mean okay so call me the, a little hot takey and part of it is because i think <laughs> you know yeah, this is I've, yeah, I've ruminated on this for a while, Tom, and I'm, I'm writing an article about it a little bit. Um, I love Demonis Sabonis. I think he is, by and large, the best player on the roster. Um, I do think TJ has a chance to pass him. Uh, but I would go as far as saying, I if if it's in a one, just in terms of, and I'm not saying that 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 OG is a better player than than Domas. Well, the way I'm looking at it is, if you have Miles at the five. Uh, TJ and, and OG interchangeably on the wings and, you know, Vic and Brogdon and what, whatever happens with, with Vic and everyone else. But you just look at it, that's a team that makes a lot more sense. And I don't know what 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 all will happen in terms of free agency and trades and everything. And I, um, But I would do it. I would personally, I would willingly, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Um, and I, I expect some clapbacks on this and I'll, uh, I'll, Mark I'll, Schindler, I'll bear the brunt of it, Tom. I'll, uh, <laughs> If, if this makes it, I did not edit it out, and I, I think I'm just going to sit with it because I, I made the decision to say this into my microphone. But at the same time, I haven't watched the Pacers play in, like, almost a month now. Um, so be, be gentle with me. You're low on Domas for several months. I'm not low on Domas. Okay, see, I think the way that I look at it, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think, you know, I talked about this with Jackson Frank a little bit and um, a couple of the people who, you know, on the, the pod series that, that we just put out um, – and I talked a lot about and got a lot of feedback from some really great basketball minds as well on the, the ceiling of the team with the Monas bonus as the, the offensive hub, you know. Um, and I think it just really leads me to a lot of questions as to where the team is going and how they're going to continue to build out. Because I think unless there are some major changes, uh, significant, or I shouldn't say major, if there are significant changes in, in Domas's game, maybe it, change, it, it, it impacts how I think. But um, – and I'm not trying to be like who's I can't remember the the one Twitter user who's just he, he always clap goes after Caitlin because he thinks that Sabonis is like the worst player in the NBA or something like that uh, on Twitter. But um, no, I just think that there's maybe a ceiling to an offense where Domas is like uh, you know the, the central hub of it. I don't know. I'm I'm looking into it more. Again, this is not me trying to say that uh, Sabonis is the best player on the roster. I, I I'm I'm going to stick with that. Um, but I would, in a heartbeat, trade for OG Ananobi if it included Domas. I think uh, so. You would hope that OG would then be the best player to come back, right? So that would be. I don't know if that would that would work out that way. My my thing with Domas is I feel like there's a lot left there that in his game that you know maybe he isn't necessarily have he doesn't necessarily have to be the hub of the offense. He can play uh, in a variety of ways with a um, a coach that maybe 
you know, has a little more dynamic offensive approach. Um, and so I, 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 was, I, I just feel like the ceiling is higher there. I, I feel like, you know, my issue with Miles is always just, you know, can you rely on it, the consistency? Because I know he's got the game. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it just constantly is a cycle of, of good, bad, ugly, great, good, bad, ugly, great. You know, just um, something that isn't reliable enough that I would want to bet on. And I feel like, you know, it's, it, I guess the floor of, of Sabonis is so much better. Um, and then, you know, I, I, hopefully there's some, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's more more there as a ceiling than I think people think um, with yeah, this game. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like he kind of gets pigeonholed as that. He's, he's a finished product, and, and, I mean, he's still young. And, yeah, him and, and Turner are the same age now. I, yeah. And, again, I'm not trying to make it seem – oh, man, dude, I'm already regretting everything I said. <laughs> this is going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> oh, man, but uh, I, I'll stick with it. I mean, I just – I agree. I do think that there's hey. there's more there in terms of his growth. Um, but I just I, – I think a lot of it comes back to what the offense might look like and. Um, mm-hmm. I I just wonder because I, I don't know. I mean, we've never gotten to see him operate as somebody who doesn't have the ball in his hands, really. And he doesn't – at the moment, there is not a ton that he can do um, outside. Of, I mean, he's a, a very good role man, sets incredible – he's probably the only person on the team who can really set a good screen um, <laughs> at the moment, and hopefully Goga next year. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's, there's definitely more there. Uh, I'm excited to see where he goes, but I uh, – Maybe I'm just a little too too uh, too into OG Ananobi after pouring over the Raptors film for the last month. Yeah, I mean, you know, I see OG as a guy who is in a perfect role with that Raptors team right now, and that's you know, if you can plug him into that role where really he isn't, I don't know what option you would think he is offensively, um, but he's down he's down the pecking order, but it doesn't matter; he can still produce, um, and then he. Is this guy? He's just got a nose for the ball and makes plays. It's um, been impressive. And, you know, it's kind of he's kind of like that at IU. It's like overlooked, you know, a little bit when when you see everybody on the floor, but then all of a sudden he's just making these monster plays and you know just moving around and, and all of a sudden just the burst he has to jump or make a play is just ridiculous. He's a freak that way. So. Uh, that was fun. that was fun to watch him, um, you know, have those big moments and and really step up in that in that playoffs. Yeah, and so actually, I I stopped following college basketball as closely, you know, as soon as I started following the NBA, a lot closer. I didn't have time to watch college too, but he was on the team. It was him and Thomas Bryant were on the same team, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that that whole. Yeah, because I remember. Yeah. I mean, that that was, was Tom Crean's like last couple of years. And little, he was pretty yeah, underwhelming and didn't work it out. Seemed like so all those guys were there at the same time, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but he was definitely a guy that kind of came out of nowhere and was like, "Whoa!" Oh, one hundred percent. Useful player. So and then, you know, so, term, he was so oh, useful, yeah. he went to the NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, we we don't have to. You know, Caitlin and I harped all over TJ Leaf and the. Uh, not picking oh, OG geez. and OB yeah. on Thursday. So you you guys can go back and listen to that one. I don't need to to, yeah, to rehash that out right now. But, um, you know, in terms of looking, you know, like we're mentioning, talking about a, a new offense and a new coach, Mike D'Antoni is a free agent now. Um, and Official. Yes, it, it is official. And 
according to Keith Pompey of uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, he, in his article on the Sixers, um, he mentioned that Mike D'Antoni would be sought after, but that he is by his own sourcing, um, he expects that Mike D'Antoni will be the Pacers head coach. So I think right away I would ask your opinion on that and also um, how you'd feel about his hiring. I know we've talked about it a little bit before, but not a, not super in-depth. Yeah, I found, found that uh, pretty interesting. I mean, obviously he is um, a guy that was on the list, but um, it doesn't seem like anything coming from the field house has, has really made it sound like that. It's all these other sources, which may be coming from Dan Tony's people, who knows, but – um, but Keith is a, uh, a guy I would, would trust. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like Jay Michael, you know, these guys um, kind of throw out these little nuggets once in a while um, and you read between the lines and it's, uh, it starts making sense. Uh, I, I still feel like I'd be surprised uh, if the Pacers went Dan Tony. Maybe I just, maybe I just don't personally want them to go in that direction but um uh that that was interesting it's going to be it's going to kind of be like that i guess until um we get further along in the process here or they actually make a decision i know we had the the report that um chauncey billups is gonna kind of has already gone past the first round of the <laughs> the zoom interviews or whatever and any any additional contact with the patients would be in person. So um, I guess he's still in the mix and, and they're also uh, reaching out to other people too, um, you know, as far as interviewing and getting that process going. So uh, pretty, pretty long list of, of people. And um, I don't know. It seemed we'll like see, half uh, the assistants in the damn NBA were on the yeah, list. Yeah, I know. Honestly. It was like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mix and match. Maybe they could get, you know, some of those assistants to in a greater role as an assistant as well as a head coach and, and kind of try and tap into some of these, you know, better organizations like Miami, San Antonio, and, yeah. uh, some of these teams. But um, it, it definitely feels like there's a bit of a big change on, on the way with the way the team will be structured from uh, a coaching standpoint. So, um, you know, to me, that's that's exciting. It's, it's you know, they're kind of treading water here, kind of going from Frank to his assistant Nate, and all of a sudden now it's going to be a, a more drastic change. And um, there's probably going to be, as, you know, your Pablo J. Michael, he was um, talking about the potential changes. Obviously, Miles or, or Domas and maybe even Oladipo. And those, teams, those are big, big changes that will alter – the franchise as well. Um, so if, if um, all this starts, stuff starts starts happening once the uh, NBA offseason is officially underway, um, it's going to be busy around our place. Oh yeah, uh, the field house will definitely be uh, a lot busier than it tends to be in the offseason. Um, I think one thing I would ask you right away too: what makes you say that you maybe wouldn't want Mike D'Antoni? Uh, I this is going to maybe sound. Well, I mean, just the experience. That or are you going to jettison NBA. something else into the atmosphere that takes away from what I said earlier? Yeah, no. Uh, I'll, I'll leave your uh, <laughs> I'll leave your Domas take out there. Uh, but Shit. 
I, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen a lot of damn Tony um, over the years. It's been fine. Um, I, I do know, you know, it, the, the one thing that would be really entertaining from, you know, my perspective, our perspective is, um, it doesn't seem like he would come in and say, all right, we don't need to make any changes. This is perfect. Let's go. Um, I mean, it seems like there would have to be a lot of changes. Um, and how all that worked out would be, you know, I think a pretty big gamble, um, as well as, you know, what, what do you know that you're going to get from Dan Tony, um, as opposed to, you know, some innovative, more young coach, I think, um, that can work with the players and, and develop something a little more established. I mean, Dan Tony's up there in age as well. I don't want to be at age to say he, he's too old. He's, he's not too old, but is he going to be a guy that sticks around for, um, a long time and, and sets up a, a, you know, a foundation. And, you know, I guess maybe the way the NBA lifespan on a team, that isn't that big of a deal, but um, it seems like when you're going into these drastic changes like this, you know, you're kind of reshuffling the organization. Um, you'd like to think it's going to last for a while. <laughs> yes. um, so, um, I, you know, and, and again, maybe, it would depend on who his assistants are and, and all that. Maybe there's uh, some guys are bringing in that would be, you know, the heir apparent already and that type of thing. So, um, but just per, for me personally, it, it doesn't um, get me real excited um, if that was if that were to be announced. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, you know, I think something that I look at um, in terms of how I'm, I'm looking at this off season and the way that the the, the coaching search is going and uh, the way that, you know, the trade market has been hyped up a little bit and how the team's going to act. Um, I think something that I really think about and, and have, have, have pondered about a lot. And I wanted to ask you today is, do you think that Herb Simon's mindset and mentality has changed a little bit? And I think I, I've really thought this since Nate McMullen was fired because, you know, obviously we don't understand everything that happened with that. I know we're privy to some more knowledge than maybe other people are. Um, you know, in just ways that we've talked to other people and have who have a little bit more connections to what's going on. Um, and obviously things were, were, were boiling up uh, on the interior that, that were harder to see on the outside. Uh, but I, I so I get why Navy McMillan was fired, but I, I just think that the cost cutting that that came out of it is very much so not what this franchise has been, um, especially under Herb Simon. I mean, I went back and I was looking through. This team hasn't paid the luxury tax since I was seven years old. And, you know, Jermaine O'Neal was the best player on the team. And that's not me trying to besmirch the Simons. I think that they've, you know, in terms of yeah. ownership groups that you can have um, in a small market, I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. You know, they're – Yeah. Moose, stop. Sorry, I'm going to have to – Hey. <laughs> Sorry, he's digging at the couch. Um so, I mean, I look at that, but then I also just think, obviously, he's getting older. I'm not trying to make it sound like anything bad is going to happen, but um, I don't know. It just feels like the, that whole circumstance and sequence was like the least Indiana thing that has happened to me during the course of my life, it feels like. And maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment in that, but it feels like that in a way. Yeah, well, it definitely felt like his fingerprints were all over it. 
um, and he was putting some pressure on on some level uh, to to make a change. And I'll you know, you know, maybe maybe there was more Nate involved in that situation as well, and maybe he felt like he had lost the team um, in some way, um, and it showed up in that in that playoff series. And he realized it was time to go as well. I mean, um, that is entirely possible as well. But um, despite, you know, I mean, he, he did react right away as if he, he was surprised. So um, it, it, I would I would lean more towards, yeah, Simon was was not real happy and, and was um, weighing in on, on what he thought they, they needed to do. Um, but, yeah. It, it's been interesting with the um, with the salary, uh, you know, luxury tax and all that. I I I don't consider it, you know, cheap or, or not smart to, you know, go into the tax if you don't have a team, you know, that can really make it run. And I felt like, you know, the last couple of years was a point, and then there was, you know, that that you know the the initial Paul Giorgio right as he, you know, going into the year when he got hurt, there were, there were times where it was like, okay, this is the time. If you're going to pay the tax, now you're going to go into it. And you say, who cares? We've got this core team that's all set up and ready to go. But in each of those instances, an injury has popped up and it's like, you know, what, what are you going to pay for now? You know, like, um, for instance, uh, it was a couple of years ago with, um, I, I thought at the deadline they should go get Conley. And yeah, that'd be a big salary to eat at the time, but he was going to be great in the playoffs. But then Victor gets hurt. Yeah, now you don't want, you know, you want that contract and at his age on, on your, um, on the roster, it's, it's not going to pay off with a potential, you know, deep playoff run. So um, those things have popped up recently where it's, kind of not, you know, been more wise to just deal with what you have and um, and keep your cap in good shape, kind of keep your power dry um, for an, another time when, when you're building back up. Um, but at some point, if, you know, as we were saying earlier, you're going to want to compete with Boston and Miami. Um, you know, that personnel I'm talking about, it also may require, you know, open up the push strings a little bit more and taking a hit and taking a chance before you get to the point where you're just trying to add someone at the deadline, you know, just taking that chance earlier and, uh, and going for it. So, um, but whether they'll do that or not, I mean, that'd be uh, up to KP and, and, uh, and Mr. Simon, as they would say. So most definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about how this is going to be such a huge loss. I mean, we're talking about it right now, but um, I'm just interested to see how things work out. And I, I wonder, I think a lot about, you know, is what is the way that is, is more of a, that, that does lead to uh, this team going in a different direction. Is it, you know, hiring a guy like Chauncey Billis, which of course has some, some risk associated with it. Um, mm-hmm. A guy just like Steve Nash. I mean, he doesn't have, um, any real coaching and, and you know again he would be a better coach than than anybody any any guy off the street but at the same time i mean you look at 
Uh, Steve Nash's hiring, I understand it. It's uh, a lot of it has to do with his relationship with Kevin Durant, but still, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask a guy to come and, and not have any kind of prior experience. A lot of people point to Steve Kerr and I think it's still important. No, I mean, he was Phoenix's GM for what, three or four years. So he was in that, that system. He was still around a team every day, dealing with that, understanding um, how it works and, and getting that, that perspective. And I think that's important. So it's a lot to come in from, working as a TV analyst to go into that. So I, I don't know. I, but I do think there's a lot of upside to Chauncey. I know he's been in the running for front office jobs before, um, before Kobe Altman got hired in, in Cleveland. I remember he was uh, one of the prime candidates to take over and he ended up shooting down the job. Uh, he was, I mean, I don't have, uh, from reporting at the time, he was the leading candidate and, and he ended up uh, turning it down last minute. But um yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot there, but I, I like what what do you think would be more of the? Not, I don't want to say anti-Pacer, but what would be the opposite of what this team would do over the last three years? Going towards Mike D'Antoni and saying, "Okay, we're here to win now." We're here <laughs> that, to, that, yeah, yeah, that would be. That's see, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of what sure. I think about. Like, I know that, and, and I think Mike D'Antoni is a great coach, and obviously there are some things that that could be better. Caitlin wrote a great article about him um, that you guys should go read if you haven't already. Um, I think he would be a great hire. Um, but again, I just think a lot depends on what you're going to do with the roster. And I think if you right. hire a younger coach who hasn't coached before, or this is their first head coaching experience. I mean, I think that almost changes the outlook on the team a little bit. And you say, and I'm not trying to put, you know, <laughs> words to KP's actions or anything. Um, but that's just, I don't know how you would take it. I think if you hire a, a first year head coach, um, that I don't want to say it lowers expectations, but I mean, you have a different outlook on what the team's going to do and how they're going to be. And um, I mean, I, I just think immediately if you hire Mike D'Antoni, uh, that signals to the, the fan base and to just the fran- that the franchise in general is trying to win now. Uh, at least that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, I mean, you know, a guy like Phillips in particular, I feel like, I mean, he. <laughs> You know, he, he, he's definitely a coach on the court type guy like Nash um, and had a lot of success and has, you know, apparently already has some relationships with key players with the Pacers. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is being that leader and, you know, you're on the sideline, but you're on the court with yeah. your guys. So um, I, I would imagine the, the you know, the, the big what if with – um, Hiram Billups is like, what are the X's and O's going to be like? What are the, um, where is he going to be leaning on, you know, help for assistance? You know, kind of like Bird when he had his defensive assistant and offensive assistant, and then he just managed the whole thing and managed the players. Um, and so, you know, yeah, there's definitely risks, and but I don't think whoever they hire is going to be um, considered, uh, you know, we got got to give this guy a year or two to figure things out. I think um, it will, you know, the expectations are going to be just as they they would be with, you know, D'Antoni or anybody. But, and again, you know, my thing with D'Antoni is I just don't see the fit right now. And so I can't, I can't, get excited about that until I would see <laughs> what he's working with. Yeah. Um, and maybe it'll be completely different, but 
right now it's just like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, so, uh, I guess somebody's got to have a plan down there. And, you know, you got to trust in, in Pritchard. He's, um, he's going to have everything locked down as far as um, how he feels things are going to go. So, um, we'll see what, uh, what we finally turn up. But it'll be interesting to see how soon they, they hire. Uh, but it's not yeah. like they're going if to, if they're actually going to be, actually doing all these interviews um, or if they're just kind of waiting on their top guy to, to sign off and, and then they're going to make a move. But um, I guess the, you know, this, they still got, uh, well, I, I can't remember what the, what the order is of the, of the supposed off season right now. The draft's going to be around mid November, but yeah, they're, um, they're moving it. So, um, you know, it's hard to tell what the team will look like. You got to assume they're going to have the coach well before they make any moves. So I would um, hope so. <laughs> be, we're going to be, be ideal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're no, going to be to to go back on that. I think this this front office is too smart to do a move to make a move like that. Because I, I don't know if you remember. I mean, the last time that something like that really happened, at least that sticks out for me is um, I'll never forget when David Black got hired for the Cavs. And then the roster, I mean, I think the, the roster is completely different by the time he, the season actually starts. Right. He was brought in as a development coach. He was brought in to be a right. first-year head coach who, to develop Andrew Wiggins and, and Deion Waiters and Kyrie Irving. God, isn't it crazy to go back and say develop Deion Waiters? Uh, not to, not to me, but it's like crazy to go back and think about how, what Deion Waiters was when he came into the league. Um, oh, I know. But uh, – yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's interesting to look at. Maybe I was looking at things a little bit too uh, – one side is the wrong way to put it. But, yeah, I think there's there's definite merits to, to either side of whether you hire a, an established coach or someone who isn't yet. And um, I, I think the one thing for sure is the Chauncey hire is kind of sexy. Like that is uh, – you you have it out. Chauncey Billups hired his Pacers head coach. I mean, I think that there's a – I don't know. That that's something cool. Like the fan base would be like, I remember watching him play fifteen years ago. Like that's yeah. I don't know. That's something I mean, you can I, I really with. like I really like Billups all around. Um, yeah. the only thing that's crazy is that I mean rivalry <laughs> with the Pistons at that point was insane. Um and you know, it was just like he was he was he was out of the, the palace enemy. at the palace. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was leading the enemy. You know, I mean it's just like it seems crazy that um, that <laughs> that he would be coming into the bases on that level. But you know, other than that, I mean, you know, he he did enough damage that you liked him as a player. If you're being objective and and um, you know, with what he did in the league, and then uh, obviously if he if he's got the goods, you know, I don't I don't care. I I can look past all that. The past, <laughs> I totally agree. as bad as it was, been trying to put that in my past for for years anyway. So <laughs> I had the great fortune of not having to uh, to to really be old enough to to remember it. So it, it'll it'll ring less for for me. The Pistons <laughs> teams that I I grew up watching were uh, the Josh Smith Pistons teams. So not exactly oh, as much as anything we got to be worried about. But uh, no, not a threat. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's uh, it kind of going off that a little bit and, and getting into closing. In terms of looking at, 
the the season at large for you know the closing of this year and looking into next year there's a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. into what's going to happen next year um obviously some stuff has come out about you know the, the season potentially being pushed back to february or even march um yeah. and there's a lot up in the air on whether or not there will be any fans allowed or um how anything's going to shake out with it so i think there's a, there's a lot we can kind of talk about there before we get out of here yeah i i was yeah, always convinced that there's no way they're not they're going to give up Christmas Day. You know, that's that's. I'm sure there's still holding out hope that they can do it. But uh, the point uh, that uh, Shams Sharani was re- reporting, at least, and others, I think, that they really don't want to do the bubble again. Uh, they want they want to be in the and markets. rightfully so. Yeah, and and try and have fans and. Uh, obviously, I mean, and, the, and for the Pacers, that's huge. Um, and, you know, I mean, most markets, I said, you know, what, 40% revenue from from uh, home games or from, you know, having fans in the stands. Now, obviously, I don't think they're going to get to a point where they have as many fans in the stands as, as usual. But anything that gets them closer to that um, would be a step in the right direction. Um, so... You know, maybe that season does linger on and they wait. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we, throughout the whole pandemic, you know, you're like, oh, a couple months, there might be a, a vaccine or, or a treatment. You know, we just had the thing that Lily had a, um, uh, developed some kind of treatment and, you know, they're moving along and, and it might be an option. But again, you know, so many times we read those reports. A few weeks later, it's like, nah, that didn't quite work. So, you know, there's nothing to rely on, but, you know, there's always the option that that things slip around real, real suddenly with, with some of those developments as far as being able to manage manage the um, COVID and and eliminate some of those issues that, that uh, you know, will keep crowds limited and, and, and all that. But even just having – you know, the team playing in, in their own buildings would be huge with, with a small crowd, I think. Um, it would be a, a good start. But, ah, giving up that Christmas day and then pushing it into February, um, you're kind of going back in, you know, where you're, you're just going to go back into the summer, I guess, um, if they continue to try and have 82 games. I guess all of our calendars are blown out as it is right now anyway, so it wouldn't be as crazy as it sounds but um boy there'll be a be a dead period there if they can't um you know if if they're giving up a month and a half there where they could be you know one of the top you know sports going and but they're not but they're not doing anything so um it'll be interesting to see maybe maybe they end up doing a hybrid bubble <laughs> play at home type thing i don't know yeah. but um but the fact is that, that you know it's not that far away and they're kind of holding out hope here um it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a rough road to hoe i think if they can't can't get that figured out and get the you know it all impacts the, the uh, salary cap and all that you know all the all the league finances <laughs> So yeah. um, it's going to be – add that to the craziness for the Pacers as far as figuring out what they're going to do with the 
coach and the roster and you know and the salary cap yeah definitely i think it's uh it's going to be interesting, and I, I'm hopeful that they'll have something figured out before the draft. I mean, there has to be something before the draft, or and more importantly, before the season's over. I think you have to have plans in place for next season. They can be fluid, but um, if there's right, nothing right. set up, that's going to be problematic. Um, right. There's got to be plan A, plan B, plan yeah. Yes, um, exactly. And I, I just think you cannot have a bubble again, especially with the way that things started to wind down. I mean, you're seeing Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, the way that he's talked about. You know, I hadn't even realized that until he brought it up and talked about that in his media availability um, about the uh, um, coaches not having family there. And I, it, it seems small, you know, when, when we're from out, yeah. outside looking in. But you really think about it like these dudes have been living in a hotel and you can say whatever you want. Like, yeah, I know people will immediately be like, well, I mean, they're living in a nice cushy hotel. And, you know, you go go 70 days without living with your family and seeing all your close friends and, and doing all that. Yeah. It's just I can't imagine that. And so I, I don't think you can do that, uh, at least not to the extent it has been. And even the regional bubbles, I don't know how that's doable either i've read some yeah. preliminary I mean, stuff that'd be that. the only way they could do it i think yeah. would be the regional ones but still even that would be crazy you know if, if you're trying to play a regular season slate of games i mean that's you know it's far different than what, what they have what eight games for what 22 teams and then yep. the playoffs so um and, and not to mention i mean just the cash layout by the league that make that happen would be insane most definitely we uh we have a lot to look at a lot to uh to be anticipating for sure and you know if, if one thing you know i am all for a shortened season i always have been and i always will be i'm sure it's not going to happen but <laughs> I'll, i'm holding out hope tom maybe adam silver will come you wouldn't complain. <laughs> i would not complain i just think it would help for uh i don't know what your thoughts are on it but i think it would be better for play overall maybe we could reduce injuries um I think that maybe, you know, obviously all the stuff has come out about the ratings drop. Um, I think there's still a lot more to that. The reporting on it has been kind of mixed. I've tried to follow along with it really closely. And I think there's a lot. Um, it's really hard to gauge, obviously, the other streaming that, that happens. I'm not just the legal streaming. I mean, more in, like people using Sling. Like I use Sling TV and that doesn't really have an account <laughs> for it. Like things like that. So I, I don't know. There's a lot to look at there. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, if you have – it just it's economics. If you have less of something, uh, it's in higher demand. So I, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know how all you work it out, but I'm for having a shorter season. Uh, and maybe we cut down on some of the uh, guys sitting to – I mean, the, honestly, in like the last three to four weeks of the season, the best teams are sitting their best players at the end of the games anyways, or even during for a whole game. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, before I go on some giant rant about how we need to, to, to have a shorter season, uh, Tom, what, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, well, I'm really interested in the, in the playoffs. <laughs> so um, I'm staying up to watch the Denver game tonight, man. Yeah. Yeah, I am definitely. so hopeful for Denver. I don't. I, I have no interest in seeing a Clippers Lakers finals. I mean, uh, Western Conference uh, finals. I think this Denver team is so fun to watch. They just. Uh, oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Yeah. They have a. They, have, and, they play I mean, a really fun de- defensive brand. They people talk about them like they're not a good defensive team, and they've really figured things out. And they've they've uh, they've added some wrinkles in defensively that I really like. I actually wrote about some today. Um, if anybody wants to read about some non-pacer stuff, but yeah, I uh, I'm hopeful for a Nuggets win. 
And this, I mean, this Miami-Boston game. I mean, if all of them are going to be like this game, um, it's just going to be a blast. So this is one where you really wish, because you think about the Boston crowd and the Miami crowd, Miami crowd in the playoffs, of course. Um, <laughs> if they, if this was a, a, a legit, you know, normal series going back and oh, forth, it would be crazy with the fans. It would be out of bounds with, with these two teams, and and um, would would raise it to another level. But it's still going to be, going to be pretty good. So far, so good. Most definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to, to some more playoffs, and we'll definitely talk about them coming up. Um, got a lot of exciting stuff brewing in the works. We'll have another pot out Thursday uh, with me and Caitlin doing some more play reviews. We have some other stuff that will be coming out as well. Thank you to everyone listening. Please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify or anywhere else you can get your podcasts and read us over at Indie Cornrows. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Shoot us any questions, comments, or feedback that you have. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.